welcome to episode 640 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm doing good. I'm ready to talk about some comic book stuff. I'm ready to have my internet not drop out on me. Um, now, I will say, uh, you know, we talk about it on After Dark this week. Uh, teaser for that. But... Um, I feel I do an okay editing job for a guy who's using a freeware with no training whatsoever that I can hide the dropouts pretty well. Let me put it this way. I've never heard you mess up one of your edits, Joe. There you go. Perfect. Right? You know? So. Yes. Would you like to know what we have on this short, short, short show, Joe? Go ahead, Todd. All right. Um, a very light week in news, and we only have one story, and it's a sad one. Uh, so when we get to it, we get to it. But segueing out of that into the Rob Watch, um, also what we read last week, which was Batman 131, Fantastic Four number three, and Joe Fixit number one. What we're looking forward to this week Todd and Joe have issues, which is we're reading Sandman this year, which will be Sandman 3 and 4 today. Um, the winners in the pigskin pick them, and I believe Todd's Art Attack, and then there's still no TV or movies at the end. We still have, a what, about a month to go until uh, Ant-Man the movie, right? Yeah. You know, I was kicking the tires, um, if only it had started sooner, the last season of Flash. Okay. But doesn't it start like the first week of February or something? I'm not sure when it starts, but I know it's a truncated season. So, yeah, yeah. I just wondered how it would be uh, coming back into it on my end, having not watched it in almost three years, you know? No, I get you. I'm, I mean, I'm at this point, I figure, I think it's like 10 or 12 episodes. I'm riding it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll talk about it. You know, it's okay. off air stuff, but I was just thinking aloud, you know? No, I gotcha. Uh, so, as Todd mentioned, of course, we do have to start off with some sad news. And I know we have always like to have some fun uh, with this in the past. Uh, but obviously, anyone who has any sort of prominence in comics, at least, whether it be. And again, would you call them like a cult character in com, like at least in the world of comic book conventions, and at least on this show? Uh, definitely on this show, maybe yeah. in, in conventions too. Uh, so it would have been at the end of September, uh, where we were informed by his family that Dan the Man Lee um, was admitted to the hospital. Um, you know, and there, there's a whole bunch of information there in regards to him canceling appearances and so on and so forth. And then as we record this, uh, at about nine o'clock, uh, Tuesday, his family made the announcement that, uh, Dan, the man Lee had passed. Yes. Uh, just as to all family and friends of Dan, I am brokenhearted telling you he passed away. Last night, he was surrounded by the love of our children and grandchildren. He drifted away peacefully. Thank you so much for your concern and love. It meant so much to Dan and the family. Yeah, sad news. I'm glad, you know, that he could be with family and family were there and blah, blah, blah. But it is sad. And I know we've had a lot of fun. But I will tell you this, Joe. I don't take a lot of Mark photos at shows. 
But if I ran into him, I totally, that was one of them that I was hoping he was at New York or any other of the shows that I went to. Cause I would have gotten, I would, I definitely would have got a picture with him and I totally would have did the Spider-Man way, you know, web shooter pose with them. Uh, because that's all the, the, the pictures that I saw. So yeah, I, I really would have. Right. Um, yeah, you know, and, you know, I'll, I'll just throw in a little bit of levity there. Um, he did, you know, he did live past what would have been actual Stan Lee's, uh, birthday, you know? Right, right. And again, you know, I'll say this, um, as I was attempting to look for the information on our, our good friend, Dan, the man Lee, um, I was, and not that they just all decided to roll out there, but there's more Stanley impersonators out there than you would think. Right. But Dan was the best by far. He was the Lamborghini of yes. Stanley impersonators. Yes. So I um, miss you, Dan. Yes. Uh, thoughts to his family and friends and, you know, so forth. Uh, you know, all of this was done uh, out of love that it was such a, you know, such a unique niche that he attempted to uh, corner the market on, you know? Right, right. Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now, the Rob Watch. And how else can 2023 start without the return of the Rob? And it's the return of the Rob with the vengeance. Mm-hmm. He took a month off from his podcast. He started up back up back last week and uh that means rob's recaps is back at least for the time being <laughs> yes it is you know we'll see in the next five business days to see how long that goes for <laughs> right um but he's doing comic book feuds over there um is he starting them or <laughs> uh yeah so you have to you have to read the Rob's recaps, Todd. No, I do. It was a nice little joke, Joe. I figured the, it was starting feuds. So the first one was specifically about John Byrne and Todd McFarlane. Specifically, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And then he gets to Barry Windsor Smith. And it, they he did a two-parter for Barry Windsor Smith. I didn't get a chance to listen to part two yet. Um but I'm not sure what Rob is the Rob is more upset with the lambasting that Barry Windsor Smith gives to Sal Buscema or the horrible things that Barry Windsor Smith says about the Rob himself. Oh, boy. Yes. You mean someone has a bad word to say about the Rob? I have a very bad word to say about the Rob. Barry Windsor Smith had several bad words mm-hmm. to say. But if we're talking about bad words... Uh, a match made in heaven, as far as I'm concerned, is that the Rob has gotten into bed with Bad Idea. Oof. A bunch of people that have left Valiant Comics, and, you know, Bad Idea's always doing something, you know? Whether it be the, the graded, clear comics, or starting a Kickstarter where you pay through a million dollars and will go away forever. You know, they're always trying to do something, you know? Right. Remember when they were a donut company? Right. And then they were a donut company and all this other, right. They're, they're, they're trying to be quirky and cute and whatever. So, um, a couple months ago they did not a Kickstarter, but it's through something called backer kit, right? 
mm-hmm. um, with doing a collection of the hero trade, um, which was, you know, it was going to have like a hundred pieces and it was going to have a special Joe Quesada cover. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they sell through that and they decided that they're going to do a second printing on that. And it's an eight page comic. Okay. Right. Keep that in mind. Um, and they say that it's going to be an extremely limited thing and they're going to have a special cover that you can get done by the Rob. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, as part of the backer kit thing, this eight page comic with a cover by the Rob is $240. Seems fair. Now, you could add on to it, Todd, of course, where you can get a The Rob signature for $35. Ooh. You can get a The Rob uh, signature and sketch for an extra $60 on top of it. You can get the uh, laser etch crystal memento version of the cover. Okay. For, for an extra $200. Did you say the crystal meth version? No, no. I said laser <laughs> etch. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That's Reddit slash R slash meth. That's a different show. Okay. Also potato, but that's over there. Um, you can get a certificate of authenticity along with it, also signed by the Rob for $10, or you can get a certificate of authenticity signed and sketched by the Rob for $15. So if you really wanted to stack this thing up, you can get well over $500, $600 for this eight-page comic with a limited edition, the Rob cover, signature, and sketch. Mm, I'm going to get two. Mm. (laughs) Now, the only caveat that I will say to this and I don't follow Rob on every facet of his social media, but he has yet to promote this on his Facebook page. Okay. Maybe Facebook doesn't allow whatnot. Who knows? No. And, uh, again, I think they do because he does always promote uh, his whatnot and who his art rep is and all this other stuff. Right. Um, but I'm just, again, I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know if Bad Idea is deciding to be the one that they're going to handle all the publicity for it, but you would assume if the Rob is doing something, he would put it out on his social media, right? Right. And it feels as though the social media he's most active on is Facebook, and I've seen nary a mention of it over there. Um, They do say that this is going to ship in October. Um, January of next year? When the Raven ships? I was going to say we're going to put a pin in this. And I'm going to get this comic the same day that I get my uh, cloth goods, sad Scotty Flamingo <laughs> retro and my uh, undead semen six inch double J. Oh, boy. That's a lot of fun in one package right there. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, you know, the Rob getting into business with bad idea, you know, two great tastes that go weird together. That's right. Uh, aptly named, Joe. Aptly named. <laughs> So that's really all we got in news, and there are some conventions this weekend, but, like, small conventions, and mostly, like, voice actor and Power Ranger people, like, no comic book people are at any of the conventions going on this weekend. Okay. So everyone's got a reprieve, right? Yeah, it's the beginning of the new year. They're still hungover anyway, Joe, so. Yeah, you could use that free time that you'll have this weekend to go listen to podcasts that are promoted by soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com and soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, all the shows in the soon to be named network. Anytime they go live, 
You don't have to be a Spotify exclusive. You don't have to worry about one RSS feed direct into the wrong website, anything like that. And if they're, because I'm diligent about that. If our people put up bad links, I let them know. Yeah, you're all about the bad links, but anyway. Oh, boy. Um, but uh, anytime any of the shows go live or anytime any of the folks go up on uh, any other shows and they let me know about it, it goes up at soon-to-be-named-network.com. That's this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, At Odds with Wrestling, uh, uh, We Need Wrestling, uh, Final Wrestling Place, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wings on Wings, Hit My Music, uh, porch talk. Go back and listen to the archives, huh, Connie? Uh, of no chance in helmet as the football season is over. We'll be talking about that a little bit later on. And uh, if you need more wrestling content in your life, my episode of Between the Sheets dropped this past Monday, uh, clocking it at a lean seven hours of your day. <laughs> now, Todd, I will say that my part is only about four of those seven hours. Oh, good. I was afraid you were going to hog all the airtime. <laughs> And just in case this goes out to a different audience, um, I'm going to retweet out a poll uh, that's ending in about a day uh, that Adam is doing over on At Odds with Wrestling, the gender-neutral monarch of At Odds, the fourth kind of semi-annual thing. Um, I was graciously allowed to pick someone to be uh, in the tournament, so I picked... Uh, the world's greatest singer, the world's greatest entertainer, the king of the mountain, MMA double J himself, Jeff Jarrett. And uh, let's just say I know how our good friend the boar feels these last three years when the deck is unfairly stacked against him. And if I did my gazintas today, I only need about 20 votes to win. Right. So uh. if you all, all I need, listen, all I need is five of you to make five accounts. Right. And vote with those five accounts. Right. So get in there and vote Swoggle. No, 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 no. Swoggle. Not, no, you don't want to vote for Dylan Hornswoggle Postal. He's got, listen, he's got six WrestleManias. He's got uh, Muppets Most Wanted. He's got Leprechaun Origins. He's got Chocolate Doodoo Fingers. D Double J needs this because, one, it'll make at least one person really mad. And two, when Double J wins, uh, I'm getting to rename it to the gender neutral king of the mountain or gender oh. neutral mountain or gentle gender neutral monarch of the mountain because Double Ooh. J is the king of the mountain rolls right off the tongue again. That's what we do here. So go vote for Double J. I'll uh, make sure that that tweet gets linked up when the show post goes up and everything else like that. Um, yeah. Uh, I think Swoggle should win, and then you could name it the Swoggle Deboggle. So oh that's goodness. all. Well, that's what this is called now. The whole thing's <laughs> not going to be called the Swoggle Deboggle. <laughs> okay. Uh, but some of the other links here in all the, the, you know, the every time the show goes up, every show post, all the notes and everything else like that. Uh, go check out our friend Mike Sterling's blog at Progressive Rune. Go check out our friend Kevin's blog at Mass Library. Go f check out our friend Rick's. Uh, store, 
uh, the chop shop at freekaratechops.storeenvy.com. Uh, go check out Jason Sandberg's Jupiter. Go check out Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, two longtime listeners of this show who self-published comic books. They still have them available both in print and always digitally. Uh, go support people who support us. Uh, but if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop. Comics on the Green, their social media is linked up, their Facebook, that's where Dave and the crew put up all the announcements, uh, all the you know new releases when they arrive, all the hot pre-orders, the picture of the Spider-Man chair I'm going to sit in this week. <laughs> oh, boy. It is gonna, tight, I'll say that. They're going to need the jaws of life to get me out of the chair once I'm in it. Um, and you could sign up for their mail order subscription service, get your books sent to you weekly, bi-weekly or monthly. And however it is that you decide to get those books sent to you, there's a chance you can get a sketch from our good friend Becky on there. Um, I think I might make an agreement with Becky to say if somebody signs up for the mail order subscription service and they say they were referred by us, then she has to give them a sketch. Ooh, that's a good idea. Unless she puts out that book of all of her work. Ooh, that's win-win right there. Right. So either you have to do extra work for us, or you have to do a minimal amount of work for yourself. Right. All you got to do is do some scans of the work you already did. Yeah. You could print stuff online quickly and easily these days, get things yep. bound. Anyway. Uh, yep. But you can go check out uh, Becky's work over at her social media. We have that linked up, whether it be like her process or sketches her commissions, her prints, all that sort of stuff. Right. Uh, but that's and all in the uh, show notes, the links uh, for all of our friends that are up to stuff in the world of comics. Right. And if you're in the shop, wish, uh, wish Max uh, to feel better. He's been under the weather. so. Oh, yeah. poor baby. I agree. So. so let's get into what we read from this past week, sir. Right. Um, to get it out of the way, I'm going to start with the book that I was looking forward to most, which was Fantastic Four number three, written by Ryan North, art by Ibon Coelho. Um, so basically, uh, something's happened to the uh, Baxter building, and there's a crater in the middle of where it should be. Um, and everybody seems to kind of be mad at the Fantastic Four for something. Uh Thing and Alicia are off, you know, traveling the country. Reed and Sue are looking for them. So after the events, uh, like I said, that we don't know what happened, that leaves the only person left that we need to find their whereabouts, and that's Johnny Storm. And Johnny Storm is doing heroing in, in New York, Manhattan kind of a deal. But due to the events with the Kingpin and other stuff, that vigilanteism in New York is now kind of illegal, I guess. Um, it's not really explained that well in here, but Johnny's uh, doing other stuff, and he's decided to give himself a little secret identity because uh, he can't go out as Johnny Storm because they know he's uh, being the human torch in the city, so they're looking for Johnny Storm. So he decides to have a secret identity. He grows a mustache, a big old like uh, mutton chop mustache kind of a deal, and he's dyeing his hair black, but the problems that he has whenever he flames on, the unstable molecules on his clothes work, but the hair, he has to redo it every time and he gets a job at this like Walmart kind of knockoff store because he doesn't really have like a ton of skills 
Um, but the part that I am going to give away for free is the name, because he's really bad at having a secret identity. Like he always talks about heroes, and the best one is obviously Human Torch, you know, but he doesn't know him or anything as he's talking to people. He's just really cool. Um, but the name that he came up with for himself to be his secret identity, do you know what it is, Joe? Like, any uh, oh no, like what his, uh, like his, sh- like his civilian name. name would be. No. Right. It's Johnny Fairweather. Oh. Right? So I find that funny. And he finds out that, like, the the guy who's running the box store that he kind of is, is kind of evil. And he's, like, taking advantage of this thing, the, the people. So he goes to get evidence against him. And he finds out that he has fought this guy before. He was, like, a, doing a, a criminal thing years ago. And... Johnny threatened to burn him. He's like, listen, I can control my fire within an inch of like whatever. So I could send you and nobody would blame me. But he does all this stuff. And the guy ends up figuring out that Johnny either works on his powers on or his powers off. So he's like, well, if you're at full flame, I you can't punch me. Because you're going to burn yourself. So if I go swinging at you, you're not going to let me connect because I'll burn my hand and then I'm you're the bad guy. So Johnny ends up realizing, he's like, yes, I can't fight this guy like this. So he's like, and the guy keeps telling me, he's like, you're nothing without a team. The FF is gone. You've never been any good. And he's like, I kind of work better with the team. So he ends up putting his own little team together of like the other workers in the box store to get back at him. And it's a fun little like like story that's like so johnny but you know that that i loved i loved everything about it the only thing that i was misinformed is i thought we were at the end of the story we're going to get what happened to the baxter building but we did not that's next issue they say um but i don't care even though it was like i was confused johnny on his own as johnny fairweather is my new favorite thing but he blow you know he may have blown up that identity so he may have to find a new one but who knows hopefully ff will be back together next month so that's weird so the kingpin thing that you're talking about right is from like six or seven months ago right when the kingpin was the mayor of new york and did outlaw and ban vigilanteism right right so technically even though kingpin is no longer the mayor of new york luke cage is that is still kind of sort of going on in mm-hmm. new york so that could be part of the reason where that ties into you know right and he also says though everybody hates the ff for whatever happened so okay. he's, he's doing it for that too you know what i mean okay so But once again, I cannot recommend if you're an FF fan, you know what I mean? Especially with these characters. I love every so far, every take on every member of the FF. So who's left? If this was issue three, who's left? Nobody, because the first issue was Alicia and and uh, Ben traveling the country. Then it was Sue and, and Reed trying to find Ben. So that's two in one issue. Mm -hmm. And now we have Johnny. So gotcha. Well, again, it definitely sounds fun. This sounds like the most fun of the issues so far, you know? Yes, yes. Yeah. Johnny Fairweather for the win. So I would say the book that I was most looking forward to coming out and the book that you were probably like second most looking yes. forward to coming out uh, was Batman 131, uh, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Miguel Mendoza mm-hmm. and Mike Hawthorne. 
So at the end of Batman 130, we're led to believe that Batman is dead. Right. And so is everyone else in whatever Earth this is. Like, you know, uh, Tim and Dick definitely are led to believe that he's dead, of course. Tim doesn't believe it because it's not the first time, nor will it be the last time that Batman has been believed to be dead. Right. And we do get a bit, I guess, more so in the second feature where, you know, Dick tells Tim, like, I do believe you, you know, like he's probably dead, but I do believe you that he might not be dead. So, right. Let's work together and try to find where he is, you know? Mm hmm. So where Bruce is, is in a Gotham City that has not had a Batman or a Bruce Wayne for a very long time. Right. And the first person that Bruce comes up to is Commissioner Gordon. But I don't quite think it's Commissioner Gordon. I'm thinking it's a different character, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Or Or at the very least, it's... Okay, well, again, I don't want to be too, too spoilery, right? Mm-hmm. But we get a lot of your Batman characters, like he has a big fight with Two-Face, and Catwoman's in this, and they're all shocked to hear that Bruce Wayne is back in town, right? hmm But I thought this was a good, at least, hook to try to help, like, to get the reader to figure out what's going on. Bruce himself figures out, like, okay... This, like, failsafe couldn't kill me, but what he did was he gave me, like, a start over, essentially. Yes. He gave me, you know, something to beat, uh, you know what I mean? Yes. A city without Batman. Right. Um. So I like this, and I really think that this was helped by how good the art was. Because the I, art I, is amazing in this. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. The only thing that I will say is the one character he comes upon, as you say in the beginning, I think is Batman's concussions messing with him. I think he's seeing hallucinations. You know what I mean? For sure. So, but anyway, that's the only thing. All around, I agree with you 100% on everything. Yeah. Um, So, again, just try not to be too spoilery with it, you know, because it's the beginning of a new storyline. I've really been enjoying Chip's run on Batman here. Um, and if you were waiting for like a point, like if you thought the fail safe stuff was dumb or you thought like, you know, whatever about the previous stuff just wasn't connecting for you or clicking for you or whatever. Um, just as much as this is a fresh start for Bruce, this is a fresh start for maybe you as a reader to come back to the book. Right. But it's Batman. Everybody reads Batman, right? Right. Who doesn't read Batman? Unless you're just one of those people who just read Marvel books. What kind of person is that? Exactly. Uh, speaking of which, the other book that we have this week is a Marvel book, um, <laughs> and that would be uh, Joe Fixit number one, uh, written by Peter David, uh, with art by Yildre Sinar. Sure. Okay. So uh, this is just a, yet another because um, so I meant to bring this up to you a while ago, and maybe I brought it up um, off air. Maybe I talked about it briefly on the show. So. You know, we did talk a couple weeks ago, Peter David was going through some health issues, right? Right. Um, but he had been kind of pretty prolific at Marvel um, in recent year, um, writing stuff, like current day stuff, from the era of Hulk and Spider-Man when he was writing Hulk and Spider-Man. 
Right. Not so much. He was writing Spider-Man, but I don't think he had a big run on Spider-Man. But it was more like Captain Marvel. Yeah. And, yeah. But I get what you mean. And and in the era of the 90s, like that time, the story. Yeah. So it felt like it was very deliberate that like Marvel knows there's a lot of people that have a fondness for that era of these characters. Peter David, you know, really rose to prominence in the, the late 80s, early 90s. Um, so obviously having revisited, revisit some of those storylines, um, I think was just like a, a strange marketing thing for Marvel to be doing, but obviously it's working because we're on our, what, like fourth or fifth in a row of Peter David Hulk miniseries. We're on our third or fourth in a row of Peter David Spider-Man miniseries. Right. And we had the one Captain Marvel, Janice yeah. Val Marvel. Yeah. But the issue is, is, so the concern there is, like, I'm like, that's ah, a weird marketing thing, but they're good. Yes, they are. Here's my take on why they're doing it. I think maybe I may have said this off mic. I don't know. Peter David's one of those guys who has a long, illustrious career at Marvel. Mm-hmm. So he's created a lot of stuff for them. And they're in the mind of, well, we have these creators like Jim Starlin who created Thanos. We don't want to give them any credit where we have to, like, give them a cut of Thanos. Um, so let's just reprint their work and give them new work if they want it. And maybe we'll overpay them for doing new stuff and instead of saying we're going to pay you for the characters you created over the years because that sets a bad legal precedent. I honestly, God, I'm not Mr. Conspiracy, but I believe that's what happens here. They give a lot of these old creators like Chris Claremont. And it's like, here, free range, do what you want. You know what I mean? And then we don't have to, you know. We don't have to. We don't, you don't get legal with us if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, uh, kind of, sorta. Right. Yep. Um. Very but kind. so, right. So I'd really been enjoying the previous three that Peter David did, which were focused on the Maestro. Uh, this is a blind spot era. Um, in the Hulk, I, I was not reading very heavily uh, Hulk books or comics. Period during this era. So, but I'm fascinated by the existence of Joe Fixit. Right. Yes. And this essentially is Joe Fixer. Joe Fixit is uh, a mobster's uh, like enforcer, right? Or like a, a casino guy's enforcer, right? Right. I, it was like very like edge. Like he was a good guy, even though he was muscle, the, the guy he works for. Because I don't think they ever established that the Hulk worked for a straight up guy who like threw people in, in lakes with with cement galoshes, you know. But he, he was kind of just a casino owner who wanted to stay on the straight and narrow, I think. Right. And there's a whole bit at the beginning of them, the the news, doing stories on who is Joe Fix-It, right? Mm-hmm. And there's, like, security cameras and interviews with, like, police and people and so on and so forth. But wouldn't you know who comes to town is Peter Parker Spider-Man because Peter Parker is, like, you guys are all stupid. Like, it's very clearly the Hulk, right? Yep. Um, but the but Hulk's green. Well, Peter is looking at it with his, you know, I run into every superhero sort of filter. And mm-hmm. at the time especially, and I think even nowadays, it's not like Marvel Universe Las Vegas is just teeming with villains and heroes and stuff like that, right? Right. Um, and m- media and stuff traveled a lot differently you know, then in this era, and, you know, obviously, so Peter's there to confront the Hulk, but before he gets a chance to confront the Hulk with whatever his plan is, he bumps into the Kingpin at 
at the airport because the kingpin is on his way to meet up with the casino guy, essentially to just like muscle him out of the territory. Right. He says he's going to team up with him to get a certain like mob group out of town. And then he's like, once we do that, I'm going to take over and he'll never see it coming, you know? <laughs> right. So I, I had a lot of fun with this book. And it's so weird reading a new comic in 2023 that looks the way this does that reads and feels like a book from the late 80s. Oh, yes. And I love the fact because you know how you didn't read a lot of Joe Fixit at the time? Yeah. Um, I didn't read a lot of Spider-Man at this time. But what I found fascinating, because I know all the Hulk stuff, is that Spider-Man, a.k.a. Peter Parker, his shoot name, he's in town to promote his book of photos? Yes, Webs. Webs, which I'm 100% sure happened around this time. Right. So I love the fact that Peter David not only has like the Joe Fixit stuff down, but he has what's going on in Peter's life at the time. And I'm like, this is so great. And like, I don't know how much you know about how Joe Fixit's powers work and everything, but I'm hoping they slowly roll it out over the next couple issues. Isn't it something with like the moonlight or something? It has to do with the sun. Yes. Okay. And I know there's, like, a little blurb at the beginning where they talk about, like, how Joe Fix-It was the Hulk persona's way to try to be Banner-less. Right. So that's an interesting angle on the character as well. Right. Because, yeah, it basically says, you know... uh, Banner has always feared that the Hulk will appear and ruin his life, but what happens if the Hulk, who has built the life for himself, fears Banner will ruin it for him? So it's kind of like it, it's everything you know turned on its ear, Joe. Right. It, like, just this one issue alone makes me want to go back and get, like, all those Joe Fixit issues. Yep. And yeah. the, when he shows up in the pinstripe suit, oh, my God, I want that page so bad. But mm. this whole issue was sold as one piece of artwork. Oh, really? I found that out the other day. They were like, to anybody, because I get the uh, the the emails, like the email blasts from a lot of these reps and stuff. And it's like, uh, we're, you know, we just want to say that the whole issue of Joe Fixit has been sold um, in one, you know, one fell swoop. Sorry about that. But, you know, better luck. Like, we're going to have two. And we don't know if two is going to be a whole swoop, too, or it's just going to be piecemealed out. Right. I, I do like that you're in those art groups to be uh, on top of what's going on in that world, you know? Yes. Hey, you got to be, you know? Yeah. Somebody's got to be. Uh, but yeah, definitely check out the Joe Fixit book. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, every Tuesday at noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, since it is a new year, Shane Douglas, Todd is in the lead over me with one correct guess. Yes. And since I started the show, I go first. Yes. Um, I'm looking over your super big list, Joe. Is the book you're work- looking forward to most, Humane Target, number 10? Uh, it would be uh, Humane Target, number 10, which uh, is the layup for you as well. That's also the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week as well, correct? I don't know. It might be Predator 6. Mm-hmm. No, it's Human Target, number 10. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, I all I know is Nort's on the cover. Oh boy. <laughs> Let's have some fun, Joe. It, it makes me think there was that original image. You know, I still have it here, and I'm sure you have it memorized, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that initial cover, and I think we haven't seen Captain Adam yet. I don't think we haven't. I don't think he's going to be in it. Okay. He was in the picture. Okay. And I think. Right. I think we got Black Canary in Tales of. Uh, No, we got we got Fire, Booster. And Martian Manhunter. And Martian Manhunter, I think. Okay. So we haven't gotten Mr. Miracle yet either, have we? Or did we get Mr. Miracle in issue one? We did not get Mr. Miracle. Okay. So we still got Mr. Miracle and Black Canary and Captain Adam left. At least if we're going by that initial image promotional thing for the book. And we've gotten everybody else, you know? Does that make one of them the killer, Joe? Maybe. 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 Uh, But yeah, this has definitely been a great book, a fun book. I'm looking forward to uh, what this next issue has in store for us. I'm looking forward to whatever all the issues have in store for us. Yes. Uh, So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out uh, our little store link. You can get shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Uh, There is the Tee Public sale going on this week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, 35% off any of those items there. You can get... uh, designs inspired by this show, inspired by uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark, other shows in the soon-to-be-named network, on everything from notebooks to cell phone covers to throw pillows and everything in between. Like I said, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 35% off. Definitely go check all that out there. Um, You could also sign up for our Patreon. As little as a dollar a month, it's going to get you two bonus shows every month from Todd and myself. Uh, One, previewing the past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's uh, previews catalog. Um, We just did January 1993, and we are going to be starting this month the comic book oddities movies uh, playlist, starting things off with Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. Ooh, boy, hot start to that, Joe. Hot start to that, indeed. And uh, like I said, the dollar a month is going to get you those things. It's also going to get you uh, full scans, high quality, professionally done of those previews catalogs that we have. And, of course, the way Patreon works is you get everything back cataloged. So you can get, like, the last three years of previewing the past, all the previous movie shows, the Mark Pirro one, the six never seen movies before, uh, the uh, Mel Brooks one. You can get all those old previews catalogs. And $5 a month is going to get you every everything uh you know all the new shows as they come out two weeks before everyone else and it's also going to get you long box heroes after dark two days before everyone else so you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order Mm -hmm. another way that you can help the show out is by making any and all of your purchases through our amazon affiliate link it is the banner at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com uh they call it an advertising fee i call it the thing that makes todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money yeah some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include, yet again, somebody has purchased Torani Pure Made Dark Chocolate Sauce, four-pack of that. Uh, somebody has purchased DVD box sets of Dragon Ball GT, Ultraman Tiga, Ultraman Nexus, and Ultraman The Next. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, somebody has also purchased uh, a Uniball Jetstream Extra Fine Micro Point uh, pack of pens. They're black ink, but they're all fancy looking. Oh, and, uh, anytime pens get bought, I got to talk about pens. You know me, I love pens. I know. As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, Joe's deal. Yes. Um, is that everything on your end? That's everything on my side, yes. Okay, someone also uh, hooked up the Amazon click-through to their Comixology, and these are the comics that they bought. Um, Sulk, vo- Sulk, Volume 1, 2, and 3. Um, I honestly have never heard of Sulk. So. Neither have I. Um, but I do like the names of the volumes. There's Big Head and Friends, Deadly Awesome, and The Kind of Strength That Comes from Madness. Those were all nicknames for me in high school. Mm, yes. <laughs> um, also there was dragon puncher volume three dragon puncher punches back that's a great name um flaming carrot omnibus number one i never really read any flaming carrot there was a teenage mutant ninja turtle crossover that was the only time um speaking of them teenage mutant ninja turtles the armageddon game the alliance number three and finally uh nice house on the lake number 12 which i hope you enjoyed yes I hope you enjoyed our discussion of it last week as well. There you go. That's probably why they bought it. That's right. And uh, Todd, did we have any uh, art attacks this week? We did have an art attack this week, uh, Joe. There was only one, and it was yours truly, uh, me. My newest acquisition, a commission of the greatest Batman ever, the Batman of 2050 by Mark Teixeira from the Futuristic Hex Run. It was commissioned at New York Comic Con, but he couldn't finish it, and he had to mail it to me. He added a splash of color to the eyes and the emblem. Um, So now I have the three main characters from that Hex Run, um, that uh, the greatest Batman ever, and that looks pretty pretty sweet, Joe. I would 100% agree with you. I'm torn in. I'm not sure if this looks good the way that it is here, or if that it look would look better if the whole thing was fully colored. Right. I, I think the fact that it's a black colored. and white with just that little bit of yellow and red to make it pop. Right. You know. Right. He's all black everywhere else but the belt. His belt's yellow. Uh, I w- it would have been nice if he put yellow, but I'm not going to complain for the belt. But if he did, it would have been all black. And that would have just, I think all the uh, the line work would have got lost, if that makes any sense. So. And I, I will say, um, that logo on Batman 2050, uh, the fact that that's never been like mass marketed, put on like a shirt or something else. Right. Uh, um, is criminal? It, well, here's why. I think it has to do with the fact that this was a Batman of the future in an all-black costume with a big red bat on his chest. Um, That would later be, oh, I don't know, Batman Beyond for all intents and purposes. <laughs> so, okay. So I think it looks too much like Batman Beyond for them to promote it in any way, shape, or form. Otherwise, this would be you know, promoted out the wazoo over every other Batman that's out there. So. I agree. It's a cool look. It's a cool idea. And I'm also going to guess that there was probably never a doll of this figure either yet. No, if there was, I'd have 10 of them. Mm-hmm. Not two. No, 10 is the better, you know, version. And uh, before we get into uh, Todd and Joe have issues for this month and close out thing, is there anything else? Um, no, are we doing the football here or later? <laughs> football here. Okay, I get confused, Joe. Um, 
Anyway, uh, the pigskin pickums has ran its course. It is the end of the uh, regular season. They have the ability to do uh, playoff stuff, but we're not doing that. So we have the winners. We have the top three people. Um, I would like to congratulate at number one, the Ginger Avenger. You, you were strong. You were fighting all the way. It was neck and neck with number two. Um, but you win. If you can contact me, I'll look to see if I have any information from you from anything else um, so I can get in touch with you and figure out where to send the prize that I'm going to pick for you. And we can maybe discuss that a little bit to see, like, I have some stuff we can work through. But congratulations. Yeah, and, uh, it, and again, I feel bad. I can never remember who won and who didn't before. I should do a better job of keeping track of this sort of thing. Right, and it goes away once it happens. Yeah. Right? So. Um, but yeah, if you don't have a shirt or a sticker or something like that, we could definitely get those out to you, you know? Yep. 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 And the, the second place person who was fighting all the way, I mean, it was neck and neck and one would lead and then the other wouldn't lead, um, was Chip Chipperson 5.0. I was really hoping, no offense, Ginger Avenger, that Chip was going to win so I could just hand him his prize <laughs> when I see him. <laughs> so I'd have to mail it, but whatever, you know, we, we all go that extra distance and get it to you. But in a surge, Joe, in a surge in number three, someone who was, you know, far behind the pack, but then late in the game made that big, big surge to get to number three. It's good old. So thank you. Thank you for everybody who played. Uh, We hope to have you back next year. Um, and good luck to everybody who plays next year. But thank you for participating. Absolutely. And again, it's a way that I have fun. And if you listen to After Dark this week, I know way more about football this season than I probably have since like 1992. That's why you did so good. Uh, well, you ended up beating me. Uh, I yep. think you fi- you ended in uh, 22nd place and I ended up 25th place, right? Right. Yeah. That's how it all yeah. works out. Shakes so out, I guess. You're allowed to be a football fan for one more year. Right. Even though, you know, my Raiders let me down. Did I ever tell you, Joe, when I die, I'm going to have the Raiders be my pallbearers? Really? Yep. So they can let me down one last time. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I knew it was going to be like, uh, I, th- I, was, I thought you were going to go like, oh, so they don't fumble this or I don't right. know. Oh, no, they'll probably fumble me into the hole. Mm hmm. All right. So until we have TV, our 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 home stretch is going to be our Todd and Joe have issues. Right. Um, we are doing a complete reread of Sandman. Um, you know, every week I do put up uh, the Todd and Joe have issue post. Just a little blurb about where we are with what issues we're going to be reading this week. Um, you know, I do have um, kind of like the detailed list of what we're going to be reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want a more detailed breakdown of it, just ask me and I will email it to you. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You know, cause like I have here, you know, cause obviously you might have this in single issues. You might have this in trades. You might have this in hardcovers. You might have this in omnibus. You might have this digitally. There's so many different ways that you can have this. Um, and some stuff is tougher to get to, but like I said, if you want the full list, the full reading order, like when there's going to be weeks where we're only reading one or weeks where we're reading three or whatever it is, like I said, just ask me and I will gladly email that to you. That's no problem whatsoever. Right. Um, so let's get into what we read, which was issues three and four of Sandman. And Todd, I did not take notes this week, but I am, as always, since you are uh, the expert on this and I am just a piker when it comes to Sandman. 
uh, fan nonetheless. I'm going to let you take point on this. Right. I'm a Morpheus Anato. You know what I mean? So, uh, yes. So the issue starts out with uh, someone who is very, like, messed up kind of a deal, as these you're reading in the captions, counting, um, playing with Sandman's uh, sand pouch. And they're talking about, like, the person's being sick. A very detailed description of how nasty their body is that you don't see. And it's at this point that I keep, I, it jogs my memory, that Sandman is a horror book. After three issues, I remember how good it is. But getting here, I'm like, this is a horror book. Always have to remember that. So she's trying to delay gratification by touching the sand, but it, it never really works. Um, cut to someone waking up and reaching for silk cuts. And it's John Constantine, the Hellblazer. And he wakes up to a song uh, about dreams uh, and sleeping. So that's interesting. Um and he ends up t- thinking like there's something out there. There's something, you know, is trying to find me. And he could feel it in the air, the magic. And everywhere he goes, there's another version of the song. He ends up going to like a diner. And he punches in a song and it's uh, sweet dreams, you know. And he's like, okay, now I definitely know something's up. Somebody taps on the glass of the diner and it's Mad Hetty who uh, I'm trying to remember actually how old she is. Uh, she's like, he's looking for you. And he's like, who? And he's like, Morpheus. You know, and he's like, ah, that's just an old wives' tale. You know, the guy who puts your kids to sleep with a bag of sand. Um, and she's like, hey, I know this. I, over the 247 years I've been on Earth, I know, you know, he's back. And he's like, yep, yep. She's been around for that long. So maybe she kind of knows. Um, and then we cut to somebody who's like doing these, like, what would you call it, Joe? Like his, he's sneaking into houses just for the adrenaline high kind of a deal. Yeah. So I I forget what they call them. Um, it's, it's more or less, um, they call them creepers in the book. Right. Where it's people that are rich, that are well to do, that just break into someone's house, not to steal anything, not to mess anything. Not to, you know, cause any real crime other than ju- the rush of, uh, you know, breaking and entering. Mm-hmm. So he breaks into the house kind of from the beginning, and he starts having these weird, like, dream hallucinations. He's dreaming making love to a woman, that he's driving a fast car, that he's Superman, that he's, you know, the, 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 cry, you know, the, the, the savior. He's, like, thinking that he can do anything, absolutely anything. Um... So while that's going on, John is looking for any clues to the Sandman stuff. And basically Sandman shows up and he ends up talking. He's like, hey, you had my uh, pouch of sand. And he's like, oh, I know what you're talking about. I bought that, you know, at at a sale somewhere. I could never get the drawstrings open. But I also know that it was very powerful. So it wouldn't be something that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, I lose kind of, or I get rid of. So he's like, I have it in storage. Come with me. And once again, a great shot of like the Sandman in the robe that I love with the flames flickering. And at times like people's faces yeah, in the, in the thing. And he was like, you can't wear that. He's like, you can't go out like that. And he's like, is this better? And he ends up having like an outfit similar to John's in the overcoat, but it's all black and stuff like that. 
Um, so he's going I, well, like, and John gets him with a uh, a line. He's like, I ought, and again, I'm not going to do the, the 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 accent. Uh, I ought to introduce you to a big to the big green bloke. You'd like him. He hasn't got a sense of humor either. That swamp thing he's talking about. Joe, there might be more in this. <laughs> we already got Superman and Swamp Thing in this issue. Right. So he goes to the to the warehouse or the storage unit um, that he has. And he's like, he's like, it, Sandman's like, it's not here. He's like, I feel it of it here. He's like, we got a ton of stuff to go through, Joe. So he ends up going uh, through like some files and the files are. Uh, Brugeria, I don't know how to say it. The Plant anima- Elemental, Crisis, American Gothic, Liverpool, Tibet. All storylines through Alan Moore's Swamp Thing show. <laughs> Which is fantastic. Um, so he asked him, he's like, how did you lose it? And he's like, the bird just got me. He's like, ooh, you real, the, da- the Damon King. You're uh, even older than I thought. And then he ends up uh, seeing a picture of Falls. And he's like, oh, this girl that I was with was around at that time. I bet you she has it. So he gets in the cab with Chaz. Chaz, who's a Sam, uh, Hellblazer character from way back. He's John's uh, friend who like always admired John because of the magic, but he was just kind of a dummy who was a taxi driver. And he was John's driver um, because John couldn't drive is taking him around. And once again, there's like stuff in here. If you know, like Chaz says at one point, I ain't no mark for the Venus of the hard cell. The Venus of the hard cell was the only hit that John Constantine's uh, punk band, Mucus Membrane, by the way, had that was in the back of a comic. They actually put the song uh, music notes in the lyrics. So that is a song somebody put up on YouTube somewhere. Um, And he ends up remembering this girl named Rachel. And he's like, she was amazing, but she was a junkie. And I was gone away for something when I got back six months later. And this is one of those turns of phrase why Neil Gaiman is such a great writer. He's like, when I got back, she was gone, along with my stereo, the telly, the silver surfers, and any old junk she could convert to money. And then she'd long since converted the money into junk. And I'm like, that is such a great turn of phrase that I get goosebumps whenever I read. I absolutely love that. And I like here a DC book referencing other comics from yes. the distinguished competition. Right. Me old silver surfers. Um, so they get at the house and he's like, she lived with her father. And he's like, listen, the pouch is here. Uh, the house is dangerous. Constantine. He's like, Chaz, stay here in the car, lock the windows, roll the wind, roll, lock the doors, roll them up. If anything happens, get out of here. He's like, I'm going to stay. I like this. No buts, but your wife hates me. Let's not give her a reason. And Joe, spoiler alert, in Hellblazer, Chaz's wife hates John. <laughs> so I, I, I like that. So they go in. Um, uh, Sandman, they don't even have to, uh, you know, pick the lock. Sandman just opens for him. He's like, you know, uh, yeah, they go in. They trip over the person who was the creeper who was breaking into the house. Um, that he's not dead so much as he's being uh, eaten alive. Uh, by his dreams and this is where john's like i've been here before maybe i'm a bit over my head and he they go into a room and he reaches for the light switch he's like there's something on the wall something wet and he ends up having like this like vision of dreaming of falling and sandman ends up catching him 
He's like, it's, he's like, oh, oh, thank God you were there. A dream. It was only a dream. And in one of the scariest phrases, and he's like, it's never only a dream, John Constantine. Here less than in other places. And you're like, kind of hints at how dangerous a dream can be in this comic, at least. And he's like, what is this stuff all over the wall? There's like an eyeball and crud. And he's like, and it's alive. And he's like, yeah, it's probably the father. And he's still alive. And uh, one of the things that I did find out about one of Neil's biggest disappointments in all the book was especially this scene is this scene was supposed to be a human turned inside out living on the walls. And he goes, and when we got the art back, it was just a lot of brown mud on the walls and it wasn't scary at all. So I found that uh, curious from the uh, interviews that I saw along with, yep. Along the way they run into a bunch of like, uh, like dreams and they're like telling them to leave. And then they realize that it's Morpheus, and they're like, "Who? Who spoke, uh, Master? Like, don't, don't kill us. Don't, you know, like, let us go. Sorry, sorry, sorry." And they all leave, um, and then they get in and they find Rachel, who's a mess from messing with uh, uh, the pouch. And yeah, like, and if I could just interject here, so you know, throughout the book, you know, you mentioned this is a horror book, okay? Mm-hmm. And you know, we get. Um, the bits when they come into the room and you said that the, the the walls are wet and there's a goop on there that's drawn in a very exaggerated, like, monstery sort of way, right? Mm-hmm. The eyeballs in the wall and the human person that's stretched out across the room. The nightmare characters that they encounter are exaggerated and goofy looking. You know, some of them even look like boogers from the Mucinex commercials, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get to what Rachel looks like now. And it is such a stark contrast to give you that emotional punch of, like, is this a nightmare monster world? Yes. But the ravages of what can happen to an actual human depicted here is much worse. Mm-hmm. And once again, like, Morpheus is just oblivious to it all. He's like, I have the pouch. The dreams will return to their proper location. The time we can go now. And she's like, and she's like a, and, and I know it's an analogy for a junkie. You know what I mean? But like way beyond anything that you've seen. She's like, it's my bag, but it's not my bag. It hurts. And he's, and, and John's trying to plead. He's like, he, you can't leave her like this. And he's like, why not? Her metabolism is obviously destroyed. The sand was the only thing keeping her alive. She will die soon. Painfully, I would imagine. John loses it. He's like, you can't leave her like this. And he's like, all right, go outside. And he ends up giving her one last dream. And the dream is like her, you know, dating John back in the day. And it is a touching little scene um, because it even says like, you know, that he gives her her flesh to flow back into her bones and and he knows he's waiting for and it's the best of all possible worlds and then morpheus just puts the the cover over his head her head and he goes out and he's like she died she died happy he's like you got your 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 bag get out of here um i'll go wake Chaz up and we can get i can get out of here and he's like good goodbye constantine constantine yells he's like listen i I don't like to ask favors but if you do one thing for me i mean i don't want to be in anyone's debt he's like what are you asking, Constantine? He's like, it's just ever since Newcastle, the last 10 years, the most famous moment in John Constantine's life, if you've read it, you know. And he's like, I've been having these nightmares, bad ones, most nights. And I wonder if you could. He's like, I understand very well. And he's basically him just saying, 
that he's going to take care of it for him. And then John walks away singing, uh, Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. And it says next going to hell, Joe. So this issue is more or less completely adapted for episode three of the Sandman TV show. Right. Except for the fact that it's Jenna Coleman. Right. We have a gender swap with, you know, John Constantine being Joanna Constantine. We get a little bit more of, I guess, Dream having a past relationship with different Constantines to the past in the TV show. Mm hmm. Um, we don't get as much of the body horror stuff. We don't get the guy breaking into the room, any but of we, those sort of things. But we do get the uh, the exorcism scene, right? So it's slightly different because he ends up exploding. You know what I mean? So right. Um, but again, I, I in reading this again, for the first time in many years, I was pleased to see so much of the original story adapted for the uh, episode of the TV show. As it goes on, they stay really close, Joe. And I will say, except We get a lot more changes in the next one, but go ahead. Right, and we'll talk sometimes for the better, Joe. That's all I'm going to say. I'd be hard-pressed to disagree, but we'll get there. Right, so... Um, just remember that the last issue on the last page was what ghost next issue goes to hell kind of a deal. This one's called, uh, a hope in hell. Um, so Sanders, right. Has, has a pouch and, uh, he's talking about like, he feels, uh, inexhaustible, endless, just like the others of myself, the endless. Um, I like that because it's, you know, talking about his, his family. He's like, well, I must go talk to Morningstar because it's time to reclaim the helm kind of a deal. And he does his incantation kind of thing with the thing. And he steps off off the pier into the water and he travels to the gates of hell. And once again, when he gets there, there's somebody waiting for him. And there's that great like rhyme that uh, there's one at the door. You know what I mean? Um, And he ends up talking to him. He's like, I'm here. Um, and it's very dangerous because he's like, last time I was here, it was under the, the mantle of the Lord of the dream. I had all my weapons and my, you know, thing. And I was invited. This is slightly different. I don't have, what would you call it? The safety of like my, my pageantry, if you know what I mean? Yes. So he's like, okay, this, this could be dangerous. He's like, take me to Lucifer. And he's like, oh, you're, you're here clown. Where's your Ruby? He's like, listen. Don't talk back to me because Lucifer is not going to like it when I get there. And he ends up like knocking him, knocking him around. And then Etrigan shows up and Etrigan is, you know, like, hey, let's go. And he's like, oh, you're a rhyming demon. Now, the last time I saw you, you you weren't you must have got a promotion. And this is like one of those things that like I totally forgot because there's many more famous things in this issue Um, when he's like, oh, I'm here. And he's like. Ooh, the woods of suicides have changed since my last visit. Uh, I remember it as a tiny grove. Now it resembles a forest. And Joe, like, reading that, I hadn't remembered that scene. Oh, like, that gave me, like, the squeamishes, you know? Yeah. And I'll just throw in here as well. Obviously, in the TV show, we don't get Etrigan. Etrigan is a Jack Kirby DC Comics creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is no way that they'd be able to get him into the TV show. But I tell you, at least this far into the book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're here starting issue four. So much of this book has been blacks 
and whites and grays and browns and so forth. So when Etrigan pops up with his bright yellow and his bright red and his bright blue, he just pops off the page, you know? Yes, he does. Yes, yes. he does. And, I, you know, I just, you know, I like that he's like, a demon has a reason for doing anything. He's like, a hundred reasons. And he's like, 99 of them at the least are malevolent. And he takes them like the long ways. Like, this isn't the way I went last time kind of a deal. And uh, he hears somebody call his name, but it's like, I don't know how to say it, but it's like uh, like an African name for the dream lord. Um, he's like, it's me, please, my love. If you, you know, if, if, I hoped, would you have come to free me? He's like, I greet you, Nada. Um, it pains me to see you like this. And he's like, can you, your forgiveness can free me. I implore you. Don't you love me? He's like, it's been 10,000 years, Nada. Yes, I still love you, but I have not yet forgiven you. And he's like, and demons like cackling, like onward to the city. And I'm like, oh. So they do this bit in the show, right? Yeah, I know. I've seen it. Go ahead. And Todd obviously haven't read the book. And Morpheus is being led up a path. And you see the people in the cages, and I got goosebumps. And I'm like, mm-hmm. they're going to do it. And they do it bit for bit, word for word, exactly as it is here. And even just talking about it now, I read it the other day, talking about it now, I got chills from this scene because right. I know what's coming. Right. And I love the fact that this kind of establishes that the Lord of Dreams can t- change shape and look. To buy whoever's looking at him, you know what I mean? Because Sandman ends up being a black godlike character um, to this person, so it's kind of like without saying it, like you know, without like spelling it out to the dummy, yes. you know what I mean? I really like that. Very um, little hand holding goes on in this book, right? Um, so he's like, uh, he he ends up and he ends up meeting uh, Lucifer Morningstar, and he's like. Uh, it's so cool. He's like, I didn't see you think you'd be here kind of a deal. And he's like, uh, and she's like, I'm here to talk to you. My helm was stolen and I want, I get back. And like, he's like, now she's like, and morning star. Cause I'm not going to say he or she, you know what I mean? Is like, if it was only that easy, hell is changed. And he's like, changed. Like, what are you telling me? I've been away long, but that hell is changing. Like, yep. Basically hell is a triumph right now. There's three of us running it. And it's funny because at DC, Joe, at this time, there were three hells running around, like in books. So you had one hell here, which would obviously be Lucifer. Then you had one hell in Hellblazer, which was, uh, I believe, the, one, the, the bulbous looking thing with all the eyes. And then the B was, I think, the one that was actually in the demon comic proper. So this was Neil trying to make it all work, if you know what I mean. Right, and obviously this is something that would not have translated to the TV show, mm-hmm. uh, just because you're trying to please the masters of being involved in DC Comics universe proper, where right. there's multiple ninety, yeah. And I do just want to throw this in here as well. You know, obviously not so much in this book, but in some of his original appearances, um, John Constantine's look was to be that of. Um, Sting from the police, right? Right, yes, Sting from the police, not any other Sting. Right, not Kabuki Crow. Um, That would have been awesome, but that's a different comic book. Uh, When we first get that first full-page shot, or half-page shot, or whatever it is shot 
of Lucifer Morningstar. If that's not a David Bowie pastiche, oh. then I don't know what is. Exactly. I was going to say that too. Definitely David Bowie. So, oh, I'm sorry. Did you have something else? Nope, nope, nope. Go ahead. So he's like, well, he's like, one of your demons, one of my, my demons has it, name it. And he's like, I do not know the name of the demon. She's like, then, the Lucifer's like, then let us summon them all. And there's a great, like, two-page spread of, like, all the demons standing before them. And Sandman's like, mm, uh, the helm. He's like, so he ends up opening the pouch and the, the sand, and the sand goes to somebody who has it. And I forgot to mention, he mentions earlier that the, the, the helm is made from the skull and spine of a dead god. So that's kind of like the magic in there. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Um, and I don't know how to say the demon's name, so we're just going to call him the demon, if that's okay? I, like, Choranzon, but sure, the demon. All right, Choranzon. Well, again, we say- can't say the demon because we've already got Etric in the demon. <laughs> so right. the, let's say the one that has his helm. How about right, that? I'm going to just say Choran, um, Choranzon, whatever. He's like, do you have the helm? He's like, yep, I got it uh, fair and square in a deal from, you know, an er- like a person, as we saw in the early book, he gave him the amulet uh, to pr- for protection. And he's like, okay, um, well, what are you going to do? And you want it back? You want to fight me? He's like, yep, I challenge you. Uh, I challenge you, uh, Corazon. And he's like, okay, challenge uh, accepted. I choose the battlefield. I assert reality. And he ends up, you know, it's an old game. And basically we learn the game as it goes on. But I do love the setup that they end up uh, making. And he changes the Sandman's costume. So he has like the... The old hat on it looks like he's got like a different outfit um that's really cool so he's like you know the rules if i win i'll return the helmet and he's like if you lose you will serve as a plaything of hell for eternity he's like i understand and then the game starts and chorazon is like all right i got to go first i'm the dire wolf prey stalking lethal power sandman's move i am the hunter horse mounted wolf stabbing and uh, he's basically they go back and forth like with these images. He's like, I am the horsefly stinging the hunter, throw, throwing him. Um, it's like I am the spider consuming the fly in the web. And he's like, I am the snake dis- uh, devouring the spider. It's like I'm the ox snake crushing. He's like, uh, I feel the snake. He's like, I am the anthrax butcher bacterium warm life destroyer. And he's like, mm. I see how this guy plays this game. He's like, I think I'll abandon the offense. I am the world, space, float, floating, life nurturing. He's like, I'm a Nova, all exploding, planet cremating. And he's like, okay, then I am the universe, all things encompassing, all life embracing. Um, what are you? I'm the anti-life, the beast of judgment, the dark, the end of everything. Uh, so what will you be then, Dream Lord? I have to stop you there. Mm-hmm. I need to stop you there. Okay. So. Um, I love the way in this book where this battle is essentially set up as though it's almost like two performers on a stage. Yep. Sorry, I didn't mention that, but go ahead. Doing stand-up, doing beat poetry, Yep. doing something, right? But they're definitely on a stage with microphones, lights on them. They're performing for the crowds of hell, Okay. Right, at the Hellfire Club, it even says on the wall. Yes, uh, not to be confused with the other Hellfire Club from the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they do a very different tact for this battle uh, in the TV show 
And I feel as though both work. Obviously, in the more visual medium of the TV show, you need to have, like, there's bits where as this back and forth is going on, both Morpheus and the demon who stole his helm are kind of selling the damage that's being done to them through the words that they're speaking, right? We don't get that here, right? It's more or less just a battle of ideas or thoughts or, you know, whatever it is, right? Um, I do like here, not so much in the comic, or not so much in the TV show, where Morpheus, you know, we see his inner monologue that he's deciding to go from the offense to the defense, okay? It's a different thing. Many people watching the TV show knows, like you and I do, and again, I hate to kind of like lord that over people, but I definitely think if they did something like that in the TV show, where Morpheus makes a very explicit thing to the audience and says ah, I'm going to t- change my my plan here, right? My tactics, yeah. My tactics, yes. I think that would have, like, showed the hand of the big reveal. Right. Well, there's also something else that they changed. I'm waiting to get to the end. That I'm Okay, go ahead. I didn't cut you off right before the end. No, that's fine, but I don't want to bring it up here because, you know, the yep, story yep. beat ties in later. So in the end, he's like, and I do like the fact that he's like, I'm anti-life, which is kind of Darkseid's thing, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, he's like, so I, if I'm, I'm the end of everything, what are you? And he's like, I am hope. He's like, oh, then I am, I don't know. And he just looks crestfallen, Joe. I've never felt bad for a demon before. Um, so, you know, Lucifer's like, you know, uh, who was it? Agony and ecstasy, the twins, take them away. He's like, no, not like this. And he's like, here's your helm. Uh, expertly won and that's a great shot for anybody who wants to make their own helm joe that is a great <laughs> great shot for um and he's like uh, i thank you and he gets it and he looks at lucifer and he's like i thank you the kings of hell are honorable i will remember this lucifer's like honorable sure you joke surely look around you morpheus the millions of lords hell stand arrayed about you tell us why you should leave helmet or no you have no power here what power have dreams in hell? And he's like, you say I have no power? Perhaps you speak truly. But you say that dream, dreams have no power here. Tell me, Lucifer Morningstar. Ask yourselves, all of you, what power would hell have if those imprisoned here were not able to dream of heaven? And he starts leaving. He's like, and they're unable to meet my gaze. Um, and I leave my hopes fulfilled. And Lucifer is mad. He's like, one day, my brothers, one day I shall destroy him. Now, this is the thing that they change in the show. In the show, they have Lucifer fight for Chorazon. Yes. Which adds to the the embarrassment of Lucifer. You know what I mean? Yes. In that, he embarrasses, in the book, he embarrasses Lucifer with what he says. In the show, which I think makes it better... He embarrasses Lucifer not only with his words, but by beating Lucifer in the game. And that's probably Neil's choice. So I'm 100% okay with it, Joe. Right, and I'm I'm mentioning these differences between the book and the TV show, not to say one is better than the other, but just more so to, like, point out, like, this is how the same story is being told, you know, 40 years apart almost, two different ways, and they both work. Right. I'm not doing it to do that. I'm doing it more that sometimes changes can be better. It's not often, but they can be, you know? 
Right. Um, so finally, epilogue. Um, and it's we're at the Arkham Asylum, and it's like, hey, D, Destiny, whatever your name is. I got bad news. Your mother's dead. She croaked. Uh, seems she wanted to have this catch. And it's the amulet of protection. It's like, thank you, mother. Just what I wanted. Next issue, Joe, Monsters and Miracles. Oh, boy. Right. I wonder what that miracle could be. Some mister, maybe. But... <laughs> This is, I don't know if I think I maybe told you last time. This was another one. The last issue had at the end um, goes to hell. And this one was called A Hope in Hell. Um, and next issue is called something else. But they have monsters and miracles. This was the things that Neil was putting at the end of the books that was confusing editorial because he was making them different. At the end of this book, this is what the next issue is going to be called. But next issue, the issue would be called something completely different. And like I said, it kept aggravating the editors until there was a <laughs> screw up later. And when we get to the screw up, I'll point it out. You know what I mean? Right. If it's if it's in the digital, and you have the trade, so it might be changed. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I think I'll try to stay on top of it. But. Right. Sorry, I know a little thing. I know a few things about Sandman, Joe. Right, because again, as you'd mentioned, um. The they tease it as monsters and miracles, and then the uh, next the first like issue five story is called Passengers. Exactly, and that's the thing. And they're like, "Was that supposed to be this way?" Yeah. Um, but I loved reading this again. Um, I feel so good reading this book. And I will say, who was it? Mask Avenger. Yeah. Um. Uh. Mask Library. Mask uh, Library. I'm sorry because yes. I'm I'm mixing up people. When he was tweeting, he's like, "I you know I am ho-, I'm like." Oh my god, like just lines and certain things, I don't need to know anything else, you know? Right. I'm glad that I know of at least two people are reading along, and I think for the first time with Sandman, so that if we have put Sandman in two people's lives, that might be what goes on my headstone. Put Sandman in at least two people's lives on his way to or from <laughs> his favorite thing. Professional wrestling. <laughs> Stop it. Actually, he died the way he wanted to, unboxing a whole pizza. <laughs> uh, but I'm just trying to think if there's anything else, like um, the art, okay? The oh, art it looks amazing. Is amazing. You, you talked about that one scene where Lucifer calls all the demons of hell to show up, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, as things get closer, you know, you kind of cheat a little bit. But so much of that foreground is laid out with such interesting and unique and different designs for what the demons of hell look like. They very easily could have just gotten away with all the demons of hell just looking all the same, right? Yes, they could have. But they didn't. Sam Keith decided, I am going to design a different thing, a different whatever. And like just all the designs on every creature that he comes across in this. And, you know, we're going to say it one more time. This is still a horror book. This is not... Mm -hmm the fantasy book that it would later become. We're still a little ways away from that. So there is some more grotesquerie and some horrific things to come. But Sam Keith's stuff to me has never looked better. It's definitely colored different, you know? Right. And I think when he goes on, I know we talked about it on Previewing the Past uh, this week and, you know, plug, whatever. But we're talking like late 92, early 93. He's doing more mainstreamy stuff, at least covers, and he starts doing the Max and everything. And right. he kind of expands his color palette, and he adds a much heavier ink line to his stuff. And well, I definitely think that changes his 
art style, not completely, but enough to make it look different. Well, that's because Mike Drigenberg is inking him at this time. Okay. And Mike Drigenberg's the guy who draws eight, and his style's completely different. You know what I mean? So right. they met, they mix. So when Sam goes away and he doesn't have uh, Drigenberg uh, inking him, it, it's completely different. Completely. I do think there was, and I'm not belittling Sam Keith, I think there was some heavy lifting with the inkers. And I'm not like an inker aficionado. Like, I, that's not my thing. No. But when I see uh, Sam with and without these guys, and you'll see it kind of change in the diner issue, which isn't Drigenberg. Like I said, it's uh, Malcolm Jones, I believe. You'll see the slight difference again. You know what I mean? So uh, I think you'll you'll enjoy it. And, and another thing, of course, differences between the TV show and uh, the comic is we get the bit at the end here where Lucifer Morningstar is like, oh, you're going to pay, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a slow burn, but this is essentially where Lucifer becomes the rival of Morpheus. Yes. Whereas and, in, in the TV ahead. show, from ish, from episode one, it's established, and we haven't even seen the Corinthian yet, but the TV show already has, in episode one, the Corinthian as the one who is trying to thwart the return of Morpheus from the very right. beginning. And at this point, we have Matthew the Raven in the story. Right. In the TV but, show. TV show, no, but not here. Yeah, no Matthew the Raven either as well right. in the book. Um, the only thing that I will say, and I know you'll know, and I'll keep it vague, is boy, howdy. Lucifer's plan to get back at Morpheus. Uh, Again, we got a long way to go. I know. I'm just saying. But the groundwork that is laid, Joe. Like, how far... Like, I don't want to give too much away, but how far we are away from Lucifer's story? Oh, my God. Neil had such a plan, even at this point. Well, and again, you know, it's funny when we were looking at the previews when they did the big Vertigo launch... Mm-hmm. And Neil is talking about, like, yeah, I had an idea where to end it here, and I had an idea where to end it here, and I can't really see it going past this. You know, yeah, so gonna... he had the plan from issue four of how it was all going to wrap up, essentially. Yep. Well, he even said when the book got longer, he even said, he goes, I knew the plan. He goes, I knew my destination, and this is kind of the way he said it, whatever way he was going across country, he said, the, I knew my destination was New York to San Francisco. He goes, and I knew all the stops along the way, but I didn't know what route I was taking to get to each of those cities. So he had, and I love the way he described it. So that's the, like the plan for Sandman that he had in head. He said he had all the spots like ready to do, but it's just like, how do we get to each of them? And I don't know, as we go on, I think he did a pretty good job. So I would certainly say so. We're only at four, and I'm out of my mind already, Joe. <laughs> well, listen, Todd, you've only got, uh, what, 15 more weeks to go, okay? I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> well, technically, it's uh, less than 50 weeks before we get to the end of the main story, but then we have all the ancillary stuff, you know? Right, and then a couple of mini sisters series. Yeah, one, two, three, four. Ooh, and that hardcover. <sighs> so good which i don't know how, like did you read the hardcover at all or no probably the first time it came out and then like that was okay. one of those ones that i just read like once i didn't read multiple times right as we get to the end yeah not the little stories those i remember 
but it's like Overture and that uh, Endless Nights. Those are the ones that are like I only read once, so it'll almost be like reading them again. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm excited. I am too. I'll stop now or we'll be here all night. We certainly will. All right. So everyone, thank you very much for indulging us. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for hanging in there. Let us know uh, on Twitter, in the comments, wherever, um, if you're reading along, if you're enjoying where you got it, everything else like that. But uh, for Todd, this is Joe closing out episode 640 of Longbox Heroes, and we will see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.